Ariel has run her own business for the last 20 plus years. Like many business owners, she quoted that the experience has been quite a ride. She's learned and adapted many life lessons along the way. Ariel has a passion to share her knowledge and experience by teaching business owners how to find happiness and fulfillment within their workplace, wherever that may be. And isn't that a hot topic? Ariel's chapter is titled, Bigger Isn't Always Better, and it's a fascinating exploration into the advantages of simple successes. Ariel, lovely to be chatting with you. Yeah, yeah. My name's Ariel Endin. The business I run is is a startup. It's called uh, Business Coaching for Couples. And we feel it's a group of people that aren't really heard or represented out there in the business coaching world. So, and the other business is Marcus and Ariel, which is essentially my partner and I having sold our house and property and business after 17 years, decided to buy a Tesla car and travel around Australia and promote small businesses doing great things in the sustainability sector and do podcasts and blog and just have a great trip and go check out this beautiful country while we're doing it and meet amazing people trying to save the planet. So how I came to be writing a chapter in the book, uh, we had a friend done it in volume two and uh, we just thought, we should uh, have a go, submit a chapter and, and get ourselves being published authors in, in terms of business. Yeah, so that's how we came to doing it and it's been, it's been a great experience. And what's your chapter called? My chapter is called Bigger Isn't Always Better. Tell me what you mean by bigger isn't always better. Surely that's contrary to everything that we would hear in business. Yeah, well, this is true and, and that's part of the problem because to a large extent it, it sets you up for failure or at least a sense of, you know, a feeling of failure because, you know, all of the stories out there, all of the business magazines and, and all of the business programs and books uh, are all about super success stories. So people that have started their business with a few dollars and now it's worth, you know, $20 million or they've franchised their coffee store to, you know, 50 up and down the East Coast. And what it makes you do is is it makes you think, oh, well, okay, you know, that's what I should do. And to some extent, that's what we do as entrepreneurs and business owners. However, there isn't really much information out there arguing for the alternate view, which is what I call a simple success, which is, you know what, I, I left my job, I started a business, I started a pet resort and people use me, I make a good income, I'm happy, uh, my staff are happy, I've got a lifestyle business. You know, a, a lot of people, it, it suits them to sit there, to, to stop at that point and go, this is good. Um, how, however, every, everything out there in social media and everywhere sort of encourages you to go big, <laughs> just to go big. And I, I think there's a good argument for staying small sometimes if it suits you. My big advice to people is to check in with yourself before you get carried away with, you know, that whirlwind of grow and become bigger for just for the sake of, of that. And Australians have a love affair with franchising, don't we? There's something about let's take this idea and franchise it and everybody's going to love a franchise. What are some of the things or questions that you would ask people or encourage people to check in with themselves? What I would suggest people do is actually take the time to uh, give some consideration to their why, you know, rather than just be caught up with the whole momentum of, of your business and, and it being a snowball that's rolling down a hill and getting bigger and bigger sort of thing. I would, I would encourage you to just have a, have a think about why, why you got into business in the first place and 
what you would like your future to look like in a year's time or five years' time because I think everyone thinks, well, more money. You know, I, I just need more money and then I'll be less stressed and more happy and it'll all be okay with more money. And, you know, the thing is it's not. You know, like you listen to people who have gone out there and got more money and franchised and done all this and it's not the ticket to happiness. There's certain, certainly achievement in that and there's, you know, wonderful things that come with that quite likely. But I would encourage you to think about where you want to be and, and what role you want to be in the sense that you might be quite comfortable running a small to medium business, have a staff of 10, 15, something like that. It's all quite manageable. You've gotten things running well. You've got a good cash flow. You're feeling pretty happy. And someone might say, you know, let's franchise, you know, and we're going to, the plan is to have, you know, 30 pet resorts up and down, you know, all over Australia, for instance. You've got to think about the fact that if you do go down that pathway, I would suggest you think, actually really think and, and put yourself in the position in two years or five years time where you're at the helm of something that big and that complex. I mean, you'll have a team around you, but it's going to be different. And it's going to be a lot bigger and expect a lot more of you, quite likely. So, again, not to not go there, but just try to think, is that who I am? Do I want to be running, you know, a business that has 50 outlets and is turning over $20 million? Before you just say, well, yes, because as big is better, just have to think about that. Is that really you? Is that where you want to be? Is that where you think you would be happy? What do you think some of the considerations are that people need to look at? Because, you know, when, when you say a $50 million turnover and, and 20 staff, 30 staff, 40 staff, whatever that looks like, to put that layer of detail underneath it when people have never been exposed to that before, that one needs to consider when, when going through that process. You can go to a large-ish company, walk around to Bunnings and think, oh, would I really want to be running something this big to try to, you know, take it from being abstract. And, and you know, it's another interesting thing that I, I put in my article, which is why is a big thing because that's why you went into business in the first place. And quite often people have gone there because, you know, say, for instance, they love children, so they start a childcare centre or, you know, they love food, so they run a restaurant or what's interesting is as your business grows, uh, you stop being the person on the tools at the front end. Say, for instance, pick childcare as, as a good example. If, if you'd always wanted to look after children and love being around children and you started your own childcare centre, as you get more successful, you don't do any one-on-one minding children because you're involved in hiring staff, you're involved in marketing, you're involved in developing the business, you're in, then, you, then you, know, you start franchising your product because you run a great childcare centre and everyone's told you to do that and you feel positive about growing what you do and, you know, and, and you don't end up doing anything to do with childcare really. Like it's the, it, it is the essence of what you're doing but you're not actually doing any of it in person anymore, not, not with the thing, the reason you got into it, which is quite interesting, you know. So I, I don't think people think about that often either when they go into business that you end up paying people to do what you enjoyed doing and why you got into it in the first place. So that's another argument against getting big, just in the sense that if you keep it to a reasonable size, you can actually be at the coalface a little bit if that's what you want to be doing. It's interesting because I'm not actually against big and growing and I'm one of those people that goes, wow, this is awesome. How can we leverage it and make it bigger and offer the service to more people and help more people? So I just encourage people to just 
take a step back and actually just check in with themselves on on why they were doing something in the first place and what what they're wanting out of the you know their future so to be a little more considered rather than leap first and pray later yeah and just just do it every now and again you know just sort of thinking and and don't go surging forwards just you know because that's the the way it's been rolling along so um go there you know do do a second store or a franchise Mm -hmm. or or add um you know add a service to what you already do um but just make sure you're doing it for the right reasons and reasons that serve you your why and your what you make an, an interesting comparison in your article between cruise ships and speedboats. Do you want to go into a little about what you mean by that and how it would relate to, to anyone listening or, or looking at scaling up or staying, as you said, as a simple success? I love this one and it's not it's not mine. I'll give credit where credit's due, which is Anita Roddick who set up the Fabulous Body Shop franchise store around the world. She lamented uh, she obviously enjoyed growing that business and, and grew it to what it could be and reached more people and great success story. But they started as one shop and then they did a second shop and a third shop. And one of the things she lamented about being big was that they'd become a big tanker, that when they wanted to change something, it was a big process to change and it was a slow process. Even if you were bringing, you know, your big guns to it and all your energy to it, it just the size of a business, that size of business makes it slow to change, to change course, to turn it around, to implement something, any substantial change at all really. And she said she preferred it when it was a speedboat when they had two or three stores or four stores, 10 stores, you know, like she said she wanted to change something or implement something or fix something done within a week, you know, because there wasn't too many people involved in the process. So, you know, I mean, obviously that didn't hold her back from growing because that was her vision and, and her, her desire to do that. But she did identify that you just simply can't implement things as quickly when you're bigger. We're seeing more and more that big corporate companies are beginning to work with smaller businesses for that reason, that they can implement, they can strategize, they can change tact on behalf of the company a lot quicker than running it through working committees and then mid-level management and so on and so forth up the chain until it could get sign off. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. It's a super advantage for businesses that are smaller. If you are a small business and, and you're, you're happy to stay small and, and you're wanting to stay small, like definitely keep that in your back pocket that that's a, a super advantage you've got against your bigger competitors because they have a lot of advantages over you. They have like monster marketing budgets and, you know, all sorts of other leverage. But you, there's, you definitely have some advantages being small and one of them is that you, you can be quick to change, quick to turn around, quick to add things. Um, quick to deal with a problem, um, quick to take advantage of an opportunity in the market. So all good things to keep in your back pocket if, if you're a smaller size and, and also a good argument for being small. Because, uh, you know, here's the thing, like I, I, I don't have anything against businesses going from, you know, one store to a thousand or becoming global or, you know, whatever the success story it is. I just don't think there's much light shone on praising the smaller businesses and the the simple what I call the simple successes and recognizing that they're they're just as good a success they're just as good a success story they're just a different success story and we don't seem to want to hear those stories in in the public domain in magazines in business programs even the stories we tell each other we don't applaud ourselves for the little wins 
you know, and yet they're significant. You share an excellent case study in your chapter, I think, from memory, the person's name was Jamie, and they owned a highly successful cafe, and then they bore witness to the, the expansion and the bigger is better and went into a, a separate store. Talk talk through how how that case study kind of impacted the way that you see the simple successes. Yeah, I guess I just wanted to give people a little bit of an example in the book rather than just uh, highlighting thoughts. I wanted to try to put it into a, um, you know, just an example they could could latch onto. And, you know, the example was a person that had, you know, always wanted to run a cafe, always wanted to, you know, be around food and loves people, loves dealing with people and, you know, took the plunge and did it and, you know, is working hard and got it up, got it successful, good coffee, good food, nice small size cafe in the sense that it was intimate enough that people felt cared about and liked and Jamie knew pretty much everyone that would come in by name, as did the staff. So, you know, it had a really good feeling and a good vibe. So very much a success. He, he was working and working hard but enjoying himself, running the books part of stuff, the back end in, in the evening and you know, on the weekend to some degree. And, yeah, and in, in my example, the shop next door became vacant, so there was an opportunity to grow to essentially double the amount of floor space and seating. And, you know, everyone encouraged it because everyone does. No one says sit tight and just be happy or no one even suggests that you actually check in on that. But so, you know, he, he sort of took that route, hired the extra shop, fitted it out, you know, refitted out both shops and increased staff levels and jumped in. And and here's the thing, like it was successful but that, you know, all the seats, all the extra seats were filled up, but he was now under a lot more pressure. He had a lot more staff. Uh, so trying to communicate everything to all the staff became twice as hard, uh, a lot more accounts. He wasn't able to be across knowing everyone to the degree that he had been. So vibe of the place changed a little bit and that can happen with growth and size as well. And the reason people like it so much is partly the vibe and the culture of a place. So, you know, look, it's just that idea that from the outside looking at that, that would look like a great success story. Look, he started small, he doubled now he's like he's obviously earning lots more money this is a success story but if you look behind the curtain or you ask Jamie or scratch a little it's like he was more happy where he was in the first place in a store half the size so from there it's not it's not all working you know like it's not all working for him he's not happy and and from there as a business coach I would advise either you need to uh, go bigger to then get into into the next level, I guess, where it all starts functioning better because you're in this or you need to go back to where you were, where you were happy. So you're currently in a middle space, which is not working. So uh, so in, in the situation, if he went smaller, and my example in the book is if he did decide to go smaller and go, you know what, I was really happy with that. Like, I don't know why I really did this. I think I just got caught up in the bigger is better thing. You know what, I'm going to go back to the, the lease is going to run out a few months. I'm going to go back to the smaller size shop. My my concern is having done that, if, if Jamie took that option, is that that would not be perceived as a success story. It would be, oh, he did that bigger shop and now it's half the size. You know, that's a failure. And and I just feel like I want to trumpet from rooftops that that's not a failure. That's someone recognising what works for them and what makes them happy. Let's talk about that because that, I think that's a that's a really interesting point of how we define success. 
So when we're in business, there seems to be two definitions. There's, as you just said, the external version where in the Jamie Cafe instance, people would be looking at that. And as you said, you've gone from a small shop to you've doubled in size and you've shrunk back down. Things must be tough. You're, you're not succeeding versus Jamie going, Oh my God, I feel so much happier, far less stressed. How should we as business owners be defining our success? It's not all around money. So what, what do we need to look for? What measures do we need to put in place to put a definition and be comfortable with our own level of success? To me, that question is saying, what, what's, what's a metric? You know, what's a metric sheet on success? You know, if I were to write that down, I would say, I would certainly say how happy you feel how fulfilled you feel, how well you think you're taking care of the people you sell a product to or provide a service, how you contribute to your community, obviously how much money you're making, you know, because we all go into business to fulfill ourselves but also to make money. We need to pay our mortgages and enjoy quality life. So money would definitely be there as well. And paying attention to your why. I know I keep mentioning this, but, you know, your why does change as well. So what makes you happy at present in running your business might not be what's making you happy, you know, next year or the year after or in five years. So staying tuned in with that. Yeah, and strongly strongly advise people to be inspired by success stories, but don't feel like that needs to be your story, whatever that success story is being sold as because that's someone else's story. Like you need to tap into your own story. That's really important, isn't it? For anyone listening, I think that's some some great advice. So how's your health going? How does the success measure in with your why? What are you doing for your community? How's the money looking? What's your happiness? Are you staying true to your internal compass? And be inspired, but don't be led. I think they're really important points. And I wonder whether as business owners, do you see that we take enough time to reflect on where we've been, where we're going and why we're headed that way? Oh, no. Where everyone I know in business is really bad at celebrating their wins. <laughs> I'm really bad at it. So how do we do that? What's, what's a way that you celebrate your wins? How do you encourage your... Uh, well, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of champagne myself. <laughs> I just look pay attention to them like it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a conundrum this one because the reason I think people are so good in business entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs is because they want to fix things and they see where something could run better and they see how you can take this from here and that from there and mix it together and create a product that didn't exist that serves people and you know you see all this stuff of what you can actually what you can achieve what you can build and do and achieve so you're always looking at this stuff you're always looking how to fix and you're always looking for where something's not working in view to then being able to think about how you could enact a solution for it. So you're always seeing the stuff that needs to be done. Whereas though the stuff that you've done and ticked those boxes and fixed those things and got that thing running well and won that contract and had happy staff levels and won that award and all this sort of stuff, we just sort of go, oh yeah, yeah, I've done that and tick that box. Now I'm focusing on the next problem rather than going, hey, you just like hurdled something really cool and well done. Like stop and have a look around you and see what you've achieved. You've created something amazing, you know, and, and, and even when you just get some, you know, a new service in place or feedback from a customer that's, that was happy, just stop and just grab some of this stuff and, and pat yourself on the back and go, 
Yeah, good job. Good job, me. And then, you know, after you've done that with your cup of tea or glass of champagne, then get refocused on the next hurdle and the next problem you're trying to solve. But like, do definitely take those those moments to do it and do it with friends, do it with other business people because they know you need to do it. They, they will be not doing it for themselves too. So maybe you can get yourself some celebrate your wins accountability buddies <laughs> where you get on each other's case to, you know, say, yeah, good job. And then enjoy it with your team too. Like tell your team it's a good job too. That's actually something we do as, as business owners too. We do, we tell our team they're doing a good job, but we don't tell ourselves, you know, like you're the captain of the ship and you need to, yeah, just need to pat yourself on the back occasionally and, and feel proud of what you've achieved so far. What's a way that you would recommend people that they begin to reframe to look for the wins? Because as you said, as, as entrepreneurs, we're kind of pre-programmed that, oh, that didn't work so well, let's tweak that. We could have done better with that. That needs to improve. G- give me an example. Give me something that people listening can take away to reframe to bring the wins, no matter how big, how small, into focus. Mm, I mean, a, a good one for me was to was to occasionally take stock of where I am relative to where we started or where we are relative to where we started. If you started a cafe, for instance, that was, you know, pull out the photo where the place was gutted or ugly in the first place and, and look at it and go, holy cow, I took this empty space that was ugly and now it's an awesome vibing cafe with beautiful art on the walls and happy. Look at all those people here drinking coffee. Like I created this. I did this. We, I ran a pet resort and we built a new pet resort and it was just a two-year build and it's a world-class pet resort. And, you know, every now and again, I would just sort of think, hey, there was nothing here before we put this here. This is here because I imagined it, put my shoulder to the grindstone and made it happen. So I would suggest that you go back to ground zero and just in your mind and just have a think about what was here when you started how it was. I mean, if you took over a business, just think about what was going on when you took it over versus, you know, how well it runs now and and what services and how it looks and the feel and just look around you. Actually stop and look around you and think, holy moly, this is all here because of me and because I created this success. I fall prey to the bigger is better thing and, and not celebrating the simple simple successes as well. And I have to remind myself to do it. So, I mean, that's one of the things I do. I just remind myself to do it. So I'm mindful to um, think that all those simple successes add up to like a whole lot of success and, and not to forget that. So, yeah, be mindful. Be mindful. I think that's a, a perfect end to your chapter. I love the ce- celebrate the simple successes. I think that's something that everybody who's reading the book and listening to this can take away with them. I'm interested to know for, for people listening to this and that pick up the book, I encourage them to read your chapter. If they want to know more, how do they get in touch with you? At the moment, the best way to get in touch with us is to find us at Marcus and Ariel, which is our website um, to do with our travels around Australia. So search Marcus and Ariel, it's M-A-R-C-U-S-A-N-D-A-R-I-E-L and uh, you'll find us that way. We're also on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and all of that stuff as well. Ariel, thank you so much for your time. As I said, the chapter was, was really insightful. I thoroughly enjoyed reading it and to anyone listening, I encourage them to pick up the book certainly to uh, to make your chapter 
a highlight over a cuppa or maybe a glass of bubbles. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's been a pleasure, really. Thank you so much for your time. It was uh, it was just lovely to have a chat. And I do hope anyone listening has gotten a little bit out of this and maybe a little bit less pressure to be something they may not be. <laughs> and also uh, encourage people to, but to buy the book because it's amazing. There's like a hundred great bits of wisdom and interest from interesting points and stories and advice and suggestions from people who have lived it. Real stories, real people in business. It's, it's a great read. 